If Murray had supported the show, I'd be less sick of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> America's first. Blubbity blah. Blubbity blah. Sending out good vibes. Blubbity blah. Good vibes. Blubbity blah. Good vibes. Good vibes. Good vibes. Underneath breaths of deep gratitude and prayers for guidance and protection. And put on a didgeridoo and shamanic drumming track. Shivers or vibrations and stuff like that. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Grand America Show. We are going to be chatting with Samuel Chong a little bit later about the Theoba prophecy and Golden Planet, all sorts of fun stuff about some book. It's kind of got an alien it's twist, right? It's not just right? some book. It's not just some book. It's not it's just a book some written book. It, written in the late eight, 1980s by a French guy. Um, what was his name? It was um, Michael Demarquet. Michel DeMarquet, probably. I shouldn't say Michael. Michel DeMarquet. And uh, he wrote it in the early 90s. But, I mean, he kind of was, it was one of these stories where, you know, he says he got abducted for like 10 days and he came back and had to write this book and people didn't believe him. And he was like, oh, I got to write the book anyway. So um, Samuel Chong is his translated this. Like he helped get this book uh, to the Chinese and the um, Taiwan Taiwanese, I think. Um, Taiwan and China. Yeah. And, and I mean, cause it, to him, it answered all, he's read all these books, all these channeling books, and this answered a lot of the questions. And when I read it, dude, it was like, it wasn't one of these sort of flaky, Oh, you know, your planet's going to die from climate change and global warming. Like it was, it wasn't like sort of a, a contemporary narrative based one. It was like sort of based on common sense stuff. It was very, I found it very interesting and it's just out on audio now, actually just the last couple of days. Narrated by whom? Michael, uh, Michael, uh, uh, some, some English guy. I can't remember his name. Yeah. Some English bloke. Yeah. Some English bloke. Great. Well, it's an interesting chat and it's a good timing because everyone's talking about aliens. Right exactly. Now. Exactly. UFOs are in the, in the milieu. We have the live stream. I was actually noticing the live stream video of our chat with Abby Lowe. Oh, really? Yeah. We, we, we were streaming back then with him. We were streaming with Avi. Wow, really? Like. Hey, well, yeah. yeah, we should get that one on for sure. Yeah, it's probably a good time to just clean that up and get it. Yeah, get it further out there. Yeah, because uh, I mean, they were just talking about him on on Ari. Yeah, well, yeah, Avi's he's in there. He's doing the work. You have it. So, how you been? What have you been up to? It's a great chat. People, check it out if they want to skip our. Lazy ramblings, they can uh, click on the link in the show notes. Yeah. There's At least in my pod player, you can. You could just click on that timestamp in my pod player. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's been interesting. We did a Grimerica Outlawed. I wanted to kind of talk about it because it's, uh, it's, it's on our other channel, Grimerica Outlawed, but it was with uh, Russ and Kyle from Brothers of the Serpent and Marty Garza. And it was about the JRE app that they were talking about, Avi Loeb. And, uh, 
we had a good chat about just sort of rolling over all these different sort of theories and this different stuff about the UFO situation. So head over there and listen to that. It was fantastic. Uh, it does seem to be quite popular. People have, it definitely enjoyed that one. Yeah. I, uh, I've listened to it now or not all of it, but enough of it to, to kind of get what you guys are talking about now. So I think he's a spook for one <laughs> and, and a couple other people I might know that I thought might've been spooks that I know I've been just confirmed by a few of the comments he made about spooks. Or about like, you know, because not all spooks are spooks. Some of them are just like smart ass motherfuckers who get like spookified. But that guy gives me heavy spook vibes. Like he's Whoa, a, what what do you mean spookified? What what Well, like like he was talking about all the if you're real good at your job, like a high end scientist, you get like Manhattan Project. That's like spookified, I th- you know? Even if you're not yeah, a yeah, spook, you you're brought like, in oh, I see you're brought into the fold. You're brought into the uh, special access programs only, and and yeah, yeah, yeah. I see what you mean. Yeah, so that's not a spook though to me. Like that's that's just somebody that's working with high clearance, like beyond. What did they call it again? Way back when, huh. beyond top secret or above top secret, right? I think of a spook. I think of somebody that's working for the the alphabet agencies, you know, and just pretending not to be. True, I guess. Well, you are though, aren't you? Then, in that case, you are. Yeah, but not working on something technical, technically, tech with technology. Like if you're in there working on the engineering aspect, I don't consider that spookified. I mean, what if, if you're not allowed to the, tell if you're anyone? pushing papers, what if you're not allowed well, to tell that, anyone? Yeah, then that's just above top secret. I mean, that's just that's isn't that a spook? No, you're not a spook. No, I don't think so. I think a spook is more of like. Pushing papers and propaganda and like, yeah, the communication part of it, yeah. So, Graham Dunlop's definitions. Let's see what uh, happens if I type spook into Google. A ghost? A CIA spook? I'm not saying that. Huh, who knew? Well, that's what that's kind of what it is. That's that's kind of it directly. <laughs> it's usually not from just any alphabet agency. It's usually directly that one. So the CIA. Yeah. So Apparently, we probably shouldn't even be talking about this stuff. Mean I mean, some other here stuff we are. Too. Darren was sort of you know talking about making that Abby Loeb video again, like putting it out on YouTube. We're talking about sort of cleaning up our YouTube channel, and we're. We're just maybe trying to hang on before we get our last strike. So, and then here you are talking about all these things. I mean, you just, you know, this will go on that's, there. That's okay. We just, just we that's can't stop talk about certain things. Okay. Okay. One. So we'll be careful. We'll be careful. Um, You know, with the stuff we put on there. You know, we can't poke the bear. Yeah. So you've been making some good little and videos. You can't switch that. the bear into a monkey. Oh, both those things right, are right, frowned right. upon. Yeah. Even talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've, I started making some videos. And uh, 
And shout out to Sean has been helping me make some thumbnails and make some videos. So we started a new YouTube channel. So that's a third YouTube channel because Grandma obviously just started the adult brain one for the audiobooks. And then we started another one just because our one YouTube channel has got so much stuff on it now. It's kind of a mess. And it's only, it's really only like five or 10% video. And the rest is just audio stacked up over pictures, which is fine too. But uh, the stuff that is actually video, we start to move over to a Grammarica Media channel. That would just be all video. There'll be nothing on that YouTube channel that isn't video. And that'll include like little cut up shorts eventually, um, you know, of, well, I don't know about all the podcasts. That's, that's a little overwhelming. The back catalog would be a little overwhelming to pick through, but I'll, you know, pick through some highlights of the back catalog and pick out some of the best audio bits and make a five or 10 minute video with some video. You know, whether it's a lot of these shows, we have that person talking from when we were still streaming, we could record video now too. So we have it if we, for this type of thing. So, you know, and it's in some ways, it'll be some entry level, maybe commercials you can send to your family members. You don't want to listen to two hours about the electric universe. Here's five minutes. Here's the top couple points from the Tycos model. Yeah, people seem to like watching the talking heads too. Adam and John were just talking about this on the latest No Agenda as well, because I think they're they're realizing that some of these platforms, even like Rumble and I mean, and still YouTube, I guess too. But they're getting they're getting pretty big, and a lot of people are just doing it all all their podcasts on videos, you know. So maybe we'll maybe we'll record more of that and put it on on these platforms, but not necessarily live. I guess that's the big difference, right? The big, you know, so we'll probably have to figure out a process for that. Live. I don't know that we'll ever do live. No, no, that's what I mean. Like not necessarily live, but we'll have a figure out a process of maybe getting our talking heads up there a little bit more with some graphics and stuff. And then you can do a mix of talking heads and throw shit in there as well. Right. Oh yeah. It kind of gives you more, more ability to make it like, B-roll yeah. or if these guys have presentations and stuff like that. A lot of them are talking about stuff that's easy to get, um, stuff that's not copyrighted, yeah. or government studies or studies and stuff like that. It's easy to get those graphs and charts and you don't have to worry about it. So, you know, and, and, and a lot of it just has to do with that finally their video editing software has got to a point where I can fucking comprehend it. I mean, you try and outsource this, outsource this kind of stuff and it just never works. We can't afford to pay people to do it because we can. Oh no, and you can, and, and you can do. Yeah, you can spend a long time on it. So it's finally at the point where it's actually doable, right? It seems like it. I mean, it's not, uh, you know, Hollywood, but it's good, and I think it's good. Turns out pretty good. People seem to be liking it. Uh, it'll only get better. I'm using DaVinci Resolve, so if anyone out there uses that, or but I mean, I've got our buddy Kevin from Unpaved. That uses it nonstop. So I've got him to sort of text whenever I'm hung up or something like that. And I think it'll just get better over time and maybe it'll get to the point where we can start looking at making some longer form video content. There is some long form video content we've got already, which will start to be highlighted more on our main YouTube page as well, but you should subscribe to both. It would help out if you subscribe to both of those. Yeah, and big shout out to Altruzian Grace too. He's he's been helping us through this process as well. He he made the little adult brain intro for our videos. Um, it's really really cool, and he's got some uh, really great audiobooks over there as well. So we've been in contact with him with some of this stuff. 
So yeah, we're just yeah, just trying to get it all going. I got my first viral TikTok, and they oh. fucking removed it. <laughs> this it, is the problem. I got up to like ten or twelve thousand. It had like two thousand likes, and it was just like every time I opened it up, it had another five hundred. Boom, boom, boom. It was only up for like four hours, and uh, they removed it because I guns. Did they tell you why? What's it? What's it like when something get when you get canceled from TikTok? This is a new thing here. Well, they just remove the post. They don't even like give you shit They're or send you an email or nothing. Either. They're just like what? this post was removed for community guidelines. That's it. Or I appealed it. But it's that yeah, you've seen the gun video, right? So how many appeals, how did many you, active appeals do you got going on right now on all lot, the different platforms? Oh you've got like Twitter, YouTube, seven. and TikTok active appeals going on. And Instagram. And Instagram. I've got like eight active appeals. This is why you gotta support your local independent <laughs> independent podcast channel, please. We could always use your support. The video is hilarious. I don't know why they removed it. Everyone was, was it the gun it. one? Was it the gun one? What was yeah, it? The gun one explain it. Where Buddy comes out with like I think the first one's Gavin Newsom. Where he's like, We're gonna take away your guns. And they've put like this effect on his voice so he sounds all evil. And then there's that Beto character saying, We're coming for your AR fifteens, and then it's just like a supercut of like all these fucking maniacs shooting up <laughs> guns and toy guns and fucking <laughs> cannons. It was fucking and it was just timed perfectly. I forget who sent it to me. I'd like to give him a shout out, but Someone sent me a, it was really funny. Yeah. That was, it's uh, on my Instagram. It just didn't get the traction there on TikTok. It just someone, obviously some big account or someone seen it or it came across someone's plate. I don't know how the algos work over there. I really don't, but it, uh, I couldn't believe it. I tried, shut it off, turn it on. I, and then it was already up like over 2000 or something like that. I was wow. like, what the fuck yeah, is going on? Good. That's not good. Yeah. They want to get rid of that one right away. So now you're going to be blacklisted there too. So we're going to have to do like a segment every week on Darren's appeal update. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I'm just going to the TikTok channel here now. And, uh, I mean, it has been going okay because that post was still good in some ways because then it's got more people watching our other stuff. Like our other videos that only had like five views are now up to like, I mean, 370 people watch the Azores promo. A hundred people watch the global warming versus global cooling. So that's more, I don't know, but I don't know how long, you know, how long is it before it's a view? Cause you just swipe into a video, right? If you just get caught up and watch the little intro segment, is that a view? And on which platform? Instagram? TikTok. Oh, I don't know. No. I don't pay attention to the Instagram stuff because it's not the company. I don't care what happens to my personal Instagram or who's watching it or who's liking it. But the TikTok's for the business, so I like to watch it. You know, it's, it's good to get some traction there with some stuff. And Because like that gun post got us probably an extra couple hundred people watching our non-gun posts. So we get kicked off. And YouTube has not responded yet. They said somebody was on the case. And Twitter's not responded yet either? Twitter has also not responded yet. But they've, they've acknowledged your new appeal, though, right? They've said they're looking into it again, right? They, yeah. So here, I'll read you the email if you want, if you want the update from Darren's Appeals. So, from Twitter.
Or it was on Thursday, so they got a couple more days. I thought it was on Tuesday for some reason. It was the 23rd, and today's the 27th? Yeah. Hello, we received your request to have your account reinstated. We are reviewing a high volume of requests and appreciate your patience, as it may take longer than normal for us to get back to you with an outcome. If this request is for an account reinstatement under our new criteria, please allow five to seven days for us to respond. Is that what it is? Five days tomorrow. No, is that what it is? Like, is it under the new criteria? Yeah, somebody, uh, somebody emailed me. Somebody emailed me this statement from Twitter that basically said, as of this day, they were going to have a new criteria and a new way to deal with problem troublemakers like me. And they'd consider letting us back on. They can recategorize your hate into just ambiguity. Mm-hmm. So strategic ambiguity. We'll see what happens. Right on. So other than that, we have an event coming up. Contacted the Canyons like six, seven weeks out with Dave Matson, Brad and Powell. We're going to have a time up on them, uh, up in them national parks and up on that mountain, jumping in the cold water. I heard there might be some people from the cruising with steak crowd coming over to, uh, to the event. Yeah. I don't know who that'd be cool. That would be cool. I haven't talked to those guys in a while. I know, uh, we got some room left for people want to come. So one of the guys that came to the first scab lines is coming, but I've met so many people at these events. I, I have to admit, I'm starting to have trouble. I pride myself on like, Especially once I've met someone, being able to remember their name. Remember their name once I've seen their face, but I've started just starting to be too much. Or I'm getting too old or something. <laughs> anyway, what do you got? Well, I got a pro- I got a project operation for you that kind of has to do with what we've been talking about with uh, the UFOs and such. You got a jingle for me here. <laughs> Looks military to me. Definitely military. Probably classified too. Dishfire, Prism, Sentry Eagle, Sigma, Mannerkin, Artichoke, MK Ultra. Operation Project. Project Operation. So this is a big shout out to the Observer. It's the Observer Magazine at Substack.com. They've been emailing us and sending us actual like paper pa- paper magazines for like years now. Yes. Fantastic stuff. And this is called Project Mindshift. And this is like, it's, it's very relevant. The re-education of the American public concerning extraterrestrial life, 1947 to 1997. And it's Michael Mannion's exploration into the government's ability to keep a secret while simultaneously managing its release. His Mindshift hypothesis states that our world has been and is now being visited by advanced intelligent entities from elsewhere. And this reality has been known to a limited number of people within the U.S. government since 1947, at least 1947. So while this premise has most UFO believers nodding in agreement, Mannion takes the scenario a step further, realizing that the secret couldn't be kept forever. He proposes that officials began a psychological operation to prepare the American public to be able to accept the reality of ET life. So it talks about, it speculates whether the elements within the government have leveraged mass media to hold, to mold popular opinion. 
He illustrates um, TV and movies have pushed this propaganda. Um, and they've both played a large role in shaping and reflecting the development of public attitudes towards UFOs and ET life, of course. Um, and then he talks a little bit. The most intriguing portion of the book comes during Mannion's interviews with ufology's leading figures. So guys like he calls them the mind shifters. So when asked about his hypothesis, instead of a diverse set of answers, basically the respondents sounded like they were reading from the same script. So we're talking about like Edgar Mitchell, um, David Jacobs, John Mack, Stanton Friedman, Bud Hopkins. Is John Mack the guy who died young? No, he didn't die young, but he died. Wasn't he kind of young and he had those books on Mars and stuff? I'm sure it's a guy. No, I don't think so. He he was the abduct one of the abduction researchers. The Harvard, I think it was Harvard or something. So out of this esteemed group of ufological voices, only Ray Fowler and Michael Lindemann stood apart with measured replies to the mind shift hypothesis. Um, yeah, it's it's just it's talking about just inch slowly introducing this to uh, to the public. So I'm going to put a link to this in the show notes. And it is about a book actually called Project Mindshift. I wonder if we should have, we should have Michael Mannion on the show. Yeah. I wonder if he's still alive. Yeah, we'll try, try to do that. That'd be a good one. Did you reach out to Dave Matheson yet? Uh, no, I didn't actually. I shall do that. Wapa, 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 wapa. What else you got? Support the show. GrandAmerica.ca slash support. I mean, we were talking about earlier. I mean, there's a reason we're, we're not like, YouTube aficionados, but we're just trying to find a way to just anything we can do to keep it going, to keep the uh, to keep the the hegemony afloat as we keep going here and try and make it go and a living and grow this thing into a business and keep Graham, you know, employed and not employed by Costco or Walmart or you make a hell of a Walmart greeter. You look crazy enough with the long hair. Oh yeah, yeah. <clears throat> no, maybe we I'm could get you this. handing out. We could get you working at Walmart and handing out America flyers. Oh my god! Or you get fired. But anyway, that's why it's important. You guys are actually supporting us and the ability to keep doing this kind of stuff and make better content with more time and stuff like that. So grandamerica.ca/support, guys. If you can, when you can, sign up for a monthly, make a one-time donation. Head over to ca and check out that podcast if you like it. Sign up over there. Um, adultbrain.ca for all the audiobooks. Come on a tour. All that stuff is great ways to support the show. And us and everything else we're up to over here. I got an email on that uh, on that vein, if, if I could read it. Sure, let's hear it. This is, this is an update from uh, a UK posse that may not even know that he's part of the UK posse yet because been, he's been following along from episode one all the way up um, and he's probably maybe halfway there. He's given us a little update here. So this is from Wayne Ills. Hey guys, hope all is good up there in the future. I'm working my way through as fast as possible. It's been four or five months. I'm not sure when it started, but I'm I'm sure I'm done all of 2018 in, in January, which was pretty good going. I've been through Graham's Joe Pesci and Lethal Weapon stage. Okay, 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 okay. And I think he's also stopped trying to take over the social media by saying Gray America and Instagram, but I may be wrong. I've only skipped two episodes so far. I got 15 minutes into and then realized it was just jingles. And the other one was a throwback episode to 149. 
I think, which was still pretty fresh in my memory. I managed to subscribe to Patreon on New Year's Eve. I think mainly because PayPal wouldn't let me. So hopefully I'm a part of the at least 5% who donate now, not just under 1%. Also, I signed up for the newsletter at the same time, but don't think I've had one yet. So if it's still, <laughs> if it's still going, but I'm glad I'll be over. I'll be over halfway through the main feed now, although I haven't been brave enough to look into the back but black budget feed to see how far behind I am in there yet. So that's the old that's our old feed that sort of got turned into Grimerica Outlawed. Plus I saw some outlawed stuff on the website, which only adds up to more goddamn, but but I look forward to hearing it and knocking my subscription up when the boy leaves school in a few months. Keep up the good work and so long as you don't spend 10 episodes reading a book or hours going through Wolverine's holiday snaps. You should, you guys will continue to be in my number one podcast. Hope you had fun in Egypt. And if I ever, if you ever get up, end up in the UK, I will happily offer my services. Even if you just need a driver or Darren needs a hookup. Sorry for the essay. I will let you on sending some good vibes from Wayne in the UK posse. It's too bad uh, he wasn't caught up um, when we went out, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. We were just. Oh, I, I, no, I think I emailed. I think I might have emailed him. I knew that. Uh, that know, being said, sure. if I didn't, I, I should have. We are probably closer to a contact at the castle. Castle than ever. Yeah, I think, well. You know what it is, is we're just sort of getting to the point where we're, we've done enough of these things to know what we can do and what we can pull off. And I'm, there's starting to be some ways that we could probably, if the interest is high enough in 2024, look at coming and grabbing a castle someplace. And if we can get at least, you know, 15 people or into it, we can probably pull it off at some level. So maybe that's just a good thing out, to start. And just hang out for an awesome weekend kind of thing. Yeah, we'll hang out. We'll maybe go we'll maybe out one day some to exploring. some ancient sites or something, and then yeah. maybe we'll find some UK-based people that we can come out and have them give a presentation. Oh yeah, or yeah, something right. yeah, like do, that. Yeah, yeah. Do like maybe a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or something like that, or even a Friday, Saturday, and Graham and I could come for a little longer. So hey, maybe if that's something you'd be interested in. Uh, Give Graham an email, and we'll start up a list of people that would be interested in something like that. Yeah, Graham at GrahamAmerica dot com. Other than that, what else? Yeah, you, you got a quote. I got a quick. I got a quick quote here for you. Quotes, quotes, and hoes. I don't know. I don't know who the author is. Um, I've got his name here. I just never heard. Of him it's the profound quote of the week. I know him. Darren, can you guess it? It's the profound quote of the week. Can you guess the human who spoke it or wrote it down? Profound quote of the week. All right. We are living through one of the most fundamental shifts in history. A change in the actual belief structure of Western society. No economic, political, or military power can compare with the power of a change of mind. By deliberately changing their images of reality, people are changing the world. 
Yamahumagashi. <laughs> Willis Harmon. Oh, I never heard behind heard of that person either. Well, that's all right. All right, you got anything else to get to before we get out of here? No, just a little bio from uh, Sam Chong. Bio. He's a certified court interpreter and Chinese translator. He was instrumental in arranging for the Chinese publication of Michel Demarquet's book, Theova Prophecy, which is has been a bestseller in both China and Taiwan, a rare phenomena. He visited the author in 2016 and 2018 and had a close working relationship with him. He also translated the book, 334 Lies. The Revelation of H.M. Stuhl, an autobiography of the high master of the chair of a secret society that was started in Germany. Today, he dedicates his efforts in promoting the message in these books in order to give people hope and to help promote a better world through his scholarship at chinasona.org. And I'll put that in the show notes as well. Graduated from Berkeley with a BA in economics and in Madrid with an MA in financial analysis, and he resides in California. California. We just came back from that. It was great. Grounded. But I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed Northern California. Shout out to the legit, legit Matt guys again for lending us their karaoke machine. Uh, less of a shout out to Chandra for taking a video of me doing karaoke. Anyway. I think that's about it. You guys, uh, subscribe to the YouTube channels if you haven't already. Even if you're not going to listen, it still helps. Share the show. You're our only form of marketing at this point. And uh, support it. Other than that, guys, enjoy the chat. Samuel Chong, welcome to Grimerica. How's it going? Good, very good. Thanks for having me here. Yeah, this will be fun. We're, uh, I think we're here mainly to talk about uh, the translation that you did of a book, and I don't know the pronunciation, so you'll have to help me with that. The Prophecy of Theuba, maybe? Or how do you, how do you say that? Yes, the French pronunciation is uh, Theuba. Okay. And the English pronunciation is Theuba, whichever you like. Yuva. Oh, so it's more of like a V sound, not a B sound? Yes. Yuva. Um, okay. Yuva, yes. Okay. Like so, oh, okay. Yuva. <laughs> okay, okay. That's That makes sense. So, I mean, let's start from the beginning. Like, why? I mean, you've been a translator, right? You translate different languages in, into English, right? You tra- you translate into English. And uh, what, why this project? Like, what happened? What, how did you get involved in this? Well, this is actually something a little bit different from my traditional or conventional work. This is just my personal hobby. I was uh, very interested in knowing the secrets of the paranormal. 
such as the Bermuda Triangle, the Great Pyramid of Egypt, and the stories in the Bible and the human energy field or auras. And this book unveils all the secrets. So I decided to bring this book to China. Oh. It helped to get a book published in China. And okay, okay. So because you did a previous one about the secret societies, right? And the yes. masters? Yes, okay. that's the other book, 334 Lies. That's the one that I translated from German into English. To German. Can you tell us just a little bit about that first before we go into this one? Well, that one is an autobiography of the highest degree chair of a secret society that was founded in Germany. And I did some research. It turned out to be uh, the Illuminati. And it uh, details how he was initiated and the rituals they performed, um, how he went from a regular college school, college student to the highest degree chair of that organization. It also indicates that there are two uh, kind of um, sections of that organization, one the European section, the other the American section. And he actually eventually became the chair for both sections of that organization. Wow. So this is, is this the Illuminati, like from the late 1700s? Like yes. the actual Illuminati? Yeah. Yes, it is. From Weishaupt? Who made What's it? Weishaupt? Who made the... Yes, that's right. Yes, that's yeah. right. Yeah, he started it. Yes. Yeah. So did they did they become spiritual masters at all, or did they were they were they going through like spiritual initiations like some of the other secret societies? It really depends on the leader. The author of the book became a spiritual master, and he was enlightened at the end. Wow! But he he actually saw there's someone who was not as enlightened as he was. That's why he decided to disclose everything. Wow! Really? Yes. Huh, interesting. So so how long ago was that? The book was published in Germany in 2001. That's the year when he disappeared. So he was afraid of uh, someone younger and more powerful than him taking it over. And it seemed that uh, that happened. And and you translated it when? I translated it uh, just a, a year or two ago. Oh, okay, okay. So then you got interested in in these topics and you thought this um this prophecy of the, I'm not going to be able to say it again Theova Theova answered a lot of these questions. Yes, it really answers the meaning of life, reincarnation and also how we can succeed in life. So did you did you care if this book was um was true or not? Did it matter to you? Well, in the very beginning, I thought it was just another book by ET Contactees because I read so many in the past. Right, right. I was mostly looking for specific verifiable facts contained in the messages received by the ET Contactees. And this book contains a lot of um, the information that I was looking for. And they really resonate to my heart. Yeah. So I believe everything happened to him was real. That's interesting because that's what... I I started listening to it. I thought, well, I'll give this a chance, right? I put it in my in my reader. I have a PDF reader, so mm-hmm. it was reading it to me. And and it started out like an interesting sort of sci-fi story. But what really kept me listening to it was it didn't seem to um, catch on to all these narratives in our modern world. Like um, it seemed to be sort of like similar to some of the other channelings that I actually liked. Like let's say, uh, for example. Um, Neil, um, Neil, 
what's his name now? I'm I'm losing. He's got three names. The, the, the conversations Tyson. with God. No, the conversation completely opposite to that deal. Um, the conversations with God. I'll oh, find yes. out. You, you keep know. going. Yeah, it's it's the series conversations with God. And some other ones that are similar, and they just seem to be like common sense in a way, right? They weren't getting like overtly political either way. They weren't really kind of kind of like pushing any kind of cultural uh, narratives. It was like it just seemed like good common sense for like how you would live in a in a civilization full of love and compassion, and and that's kind of what sort of kept me listening to this. Is like a lot of this makes sense, and a lot of it seems to fit in with some of our alternative scientific theories right now, but from, from a different perspective. Yeah. Darren, what was it? Neil Donald Walsh. Yeah. That's, that's the guy I was thinking of. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks. So, um, yeah. So tell us, tell us more about some of the, like, I guess let's start with the, the author, like when, cause I wasn't sure when this book was actually written by this, this French guy. Well, um, his, um, abduction experience occurred in 1987 he wrote a book in 1989, got it published in 1993. Um, so that's what happened. And and he was uh, really just a regular person, a landscaper in Australia, who didn't know how to type, who didn't know how to use the internet. There was no internet in Australia at that time. And he, um, until his death, um, he still didn't know how to use a computer. So everything, everything he wrote to me by email was actually dictated by him uh, so that his uh, Vietnamese niece could uh, type it out and then send it to me. So he was just a regular guy who didn't have a lot of uh, education. Wow. So when did you get when did you get the book? I read a book the, the first time it was uh, back in 2014. Okay. So what was it? What was different about this one than all the other ET contact stories that you heard? Well, you know, I really didn't believe anything written in the book until the chapter uh, "Who is Christ," because I didn't believe anything in the Bible. I didn't believe Jesus Christ performed all the miracles. I went to the church just to socialize and to network um, with other people to expand my business. Um, but this book connects all the doubts of uh, what recorded in the Bible, in the ancient ancient scriptures, explained uh, how um, Jesus and Christ came about. It also explains uh, the reason for the destruction of the two cities, Sodom and Gomorrah, and why they led Moses out of Egypt, leading the Hebrews um, from the um, from the rules or the oppressions of the pharaohs of ancient Egypt and how they parted the Sea of Reeds, and how they helped the U.S. government in developing the uh, atomic bomb at a much faster pace than Germany. And and, and also, they were kind of uh, helping us uh, throughout history. There are so many specific verifiable facts that actually explain uh, many different things that I've been wondering about. For, for example, explains uh, what ghosts are. And also explains um, how we can improve our health and also our immune system. So a lot of things like that are really beneficial and specific and verifiable by modern science. What can you can you expand on the Jesus part again? Like what the difference is of what they said about Jesus compared to the narrative right now? Yeah, I mean, while I was reading the Bible, I was questioning uh, the stories why Jesus. Uh, um, 
I list why there's no record of Jesus performing miracles before the age of 28. It just turned out to be that he suddenly became this kind of a omnipotent, like um, son of God, this kind of figure who was able to perform everything that people were amazed at. Um, and why somehow he didn't do any of those before he was the age of 28? And why some people say that he went to India and and why there's a tomb of Jesus Christ in Shingo Village, Japan. So this book connects all the dots. Jesus, born out of Virgin Mary, was actually someone born from the embryo implanted by the ETs, just to fulfill the prophecy, just to show people that uh, Jesus was someone extraordinary. And he was born that way. Um, and when a person's astral body enters the embryo or the physical body, the person has to pass through what they call the river of oblivion, forgetting everything that happened in his past lives, forgetting all the knowledge that he accumulated to perform miracles. So that Jesus, although very smart, intelligent, and spiritual, he really couldn't perform the miracles. Is that Jesus who went to India traveled to China and died in Japan. And people can look it up, Shingo Village, Japan, to find the tomb of Jesus in, in that village. Christ, on the other hand, was actually someone sent by the Theobans to us to preach or to teach spirituality and love. He died on the cross and then resurrected three days after just to show people that there is life after death and there is reincarnation. But the concept of reincarnation was removed by the Catholic Church. Um, he was actually someone from from uh, Theoba because he was actually someone directly from a higher kind of um, category of planet. He remembered all the ways, all the knowledge to perform miracles. So that's why he could levitate, walk on water, and to heal different diseases. But his main mission was to teach people at that time the importance of uh, spiritual development. Do you, do you know from the other, like the people that, uh, the spiritual masters that um, sort of practiced reincarnation into specific bodies and stuff, like were they able to bypass the river of oblivion? Like, is that something that they learned how to do? There are some people who remember their past lives, just a segment of their past lives. And some people can actually access the Akashic record. Or some people can actually, through different means, such as um, past life regression through hypnosis or psychic practice, to visit their past lives and remember what they did in their previous lives. But normally people wouldn't be able to do so because... Uh, for example, if you know you're going to, um, if if you're a bad person in the past life, you would feel like discouraged or somehow regretful of the things you did in the past lives. And uh, but each lifetime we learn something new. We should uh, open new chapter and to uh, continue to develop our spirituality. So I have so many questions, but let's let's start at. Um... You mentioned that you mentioned they helped the U.S. with the atomic bomb. So they 
I guess there's a theme in all of uh, what all of evolution on all these planets that atomic destruction kind of happens it, or or it's it's bound to happen at some point. Can you discuss that? Does that is do I have that right? Yeah, it's actually a necessary step for uh, development of uh, any planet in the universe. We have to go through that step. The important lesson is to know how to use the new technology or the atom wisely so that we don't destroy ourselves. It's just like when a child discovers a match and she would have to really, uh, out of curiosity, to find out what a match can do, like what, what a fire can do. And But she would have to know in her later years not to burn herself. Yeah. So this is um, similarly to what we need to learn. We need to learn how to um, exist peacefully among ourselves. And so, so even though th- they kind of helped the U.S. end that war, there was a calculation done. Does this calculation kind of happen automatically that it's like this is best for for the spiritual reality or best for humanity to do it this way because they, they have the ability to, to make all these kind of like um, uh, processes like where they can see how, how things end up in the future or whatever. Right. Yeah. So they can pr- foresee what's likely going to happen um, in about a hundred years or so. Uh, during World War II, they actually assisted the U S government uh, indirectly by preventing Germany from being the first country to develop the, the atomic bomb. They did that just to give some kind of um, room or environment for us to learn about the dangers of a, war, war, of a world war like World War II, um, just to learn that uh, we need to really respect each other and not to discriminate against the different races of people. So they are giving us an opportunity to learn our lessons through uh, the consequences of the war. Um, they could have taken Hitler out. They could have easily done so. But they actually respected the free will of our people. Like, they even respected the free will of Hitler uh, by not uh, taking not taking him out. Um, but on the other hand, uh, we, the Allies, uh, were learning how to really fight against the, uh, the Nazis or, or the... Um, or the other uh, countries uh, who were really not uh, taking individual liberties seriously. That's the problem I've had with like the ET sort of whole, the whole ET contact thing lately is that um, it's like, there's so many sort of evil things going on in the world. There's so many, so many wars and so many things. And like, they just keep saying, well, they can't step in and intervene. And you, you, you constantly hear this narrative about, you know, oh, take take care of the earth better and do all this, but we can't come and help you. And, uh, you know, you got to do it yourself. And and yet it seems like there's an evil influence. I don't know if it's E.T. or spiritual or just a dark sort of like Gnostic Demiurge type thing that's that's affecting people. But yet the good ones aren't allowed to come in and, and help. The evil intentions are all the free wills of the people. I mean, some people say they're reptilians, and I don't, I don't buy that uh, concept or theory because when we were on the moon about fifty years ago, we were warned off from the moon. We were not ready to explore the solar system or the universe. 
by our astronauts because we were fighting against each other. Uh, we are still fighting against each other. The ETs, the advanced ETs, they were afraid of us polluting the universe. So they wouldn't allow us to land on the moon again. Um, by the same token, if the evil ETs were to want to invade us, they would have been prevented by the uh, the Theobans or other ETs from from doing harm to us. So I don't think there are evil ETs uh, going to in invade us in the future. I think it's just our own actions. There's no coincidence that I found the other book, 334 Lies, um, that I finally translated into English from German. That book explains why the world is like what we are today. Um, there is a small group of people who uh, runs everything behind the scenes, um, and they pull the strings and to influence the politicians who are just puppets on the stage. Um, in, the, in the United States, the Republicans or Democrats, they're all the same. They come and go every four, eight years. But there's a small group of people who control the deep state, who control the, the, the politicians on the front stage. And I think people need to realize it. And people need to find out the truth. Is is it the Illuminati then, or are because it seems to me like the Illuminati is too, too new or too. Um, I feel like that influence almost needs to be more ancient than that. There are a lot of things that people don't know about nowadays. Um, if you read the book, you're going to understand what I mean. They are not going to be arrested uh, by any chance because they have uh, super psychic powers to really make themselves disappear in front of you. Jesus did that before. Um, Jesus could do a shape-shifting, as recorded in other ancient scriptures, the Coptic Bible. And um, there are some people among my friends who actually can do that as well, to levitate and disappear in front of you. And the Theobans did that too in front of Michel de Marquet. Um, and and the, uh, the high masters of the chair of the Illuminati can do the same thing. So the, po the police is not going to arrest them at all. Um, They're not able to. Um, but, but there are ways to really make the world a better world in the future. Is there a good, is there a good, like a good group of masters that, that is sort of equaling human masters, not ETs, but that sort of are as powerful or equal to the Illuminati or these black masters? I think there definitely are, but people like, um, like Foster Gamble, like others, they're trying to do their best to wake people up. They know certain aspects of uh, what's really going on. But we really need to know the whole picture. Um, so I think that it's important to pass the messages, um, especially the messages in this book, Theoba Prophecy, because this book gives a more thorough picture, a more comprehensive picture of uh, what we need to do to really make things happen through concerted actions by the people, by the mass, from the grassroots level, using nonviolent resistance, just like Gandhi did in India, to rise up against tyranny, so to make things happen.
it really does talk about also about like the the dangers of the materialism that we're going through right now and how that sort of that scientism has taken over um which really resonates with us we talk about this a lot on the show how there's this spiritualism that's lost in the middle right you've got the dogma of the church and the materialism of the science but there's this whole missing spiritual part which seems to be addressed by them yes spirituality is different from religion so when God created every one of us, it inserted a tiny portion of itself into our astral body. So we can really connect to God on our own because even the Bible says the kingdom of God is within you. You can meditate, you can pray, or you can just have a good night of sleep and then connect to your higher self and then connect to God, the source, the great spirit, the ether. So. I think uh, people should focus on spiritual growth and not rely on specific religion or the doctrines of uh, religious leaders or the narratives of the government or the media. And um, I think it's important to realize that we are part of God and God wants to experience a physical um, life through our physical beings so that's the whole meaning of uh, living the life, is to experience, to learn different lessons, and to experience all the setbacks, the challenges in life, so that we can accumulate lessons, spiritual lessons, and to send a feedback to our higher self and to God. And how do we send that feedback to our higher self? Just connect with it? Connect with them through meditation, through prayers, and um, is to take a full um, full advantage of all the challenges we face in life, to live a full life, and to really um, treasure all the things that we see and hear and encounter in our lifetime. And they mentioned that astral, our astral self is not the same as our higher self, right? Our astral body is different, right? Right. Our astral body is different from our physical body. Our astral body connects to our higher self. Um, I know you read a book, so I can explain a little bit further. The universe has uh, different planets. We have uh, category one, category two, up to category nine planet. So our category one planet, which is the lowest category of planets in the universe, our higher self, divides itself to nine parts, and each part enters into a physical body. Um, so we on Earth, we share the higher self um, among the nine different people. On category eight planet, eight different people share the same higher self through the astral bodies of the eight people. On category nine planet, the higher self just gives itself to one person. Because um, the astral body is made of electrons, so we have one-ninth of the electrons of the higher self on Earth. So we are not as psychically, psychically powerful as the, um, uh, the, the people on Category 9 planet, in which they take the entire um, electrons of their higher self. So this is why we are not able to perform the miracles that performed by, by Jesus or by Christ, 
or by the theobans because they simply have more electrons to um, to to really perform the the miracles yeah but you know some people that can do that though so they but be, so how do they are they are they gathering more electrons to themselves like is that part of the learning the discipleship is to increase your electron power yes some people can do that especially people uh, from India and also the uh, the Himalayas and people meditate and they try to purify their spirit or the astral body so that they can really perform the miracles. Um, and there's a Nepali uh, monk who performed the levitation in front of a magician called uh, Dan White. It's documented in um, in History Channel. People can look it up. And there are others, like the people in the secret societies, they do it in a more like, devious way. By uh, You can edit out if you like. They, by eating the, the heart of a person alive. Wait, um, what? Let's rewind that just a minute there. So who's eating the heart? That's what the elites are doing? The... Uh, there's a ceremony or ritual in which members of the secret societies, such as the Illuminati, they eat the hearts of the people alive after torturing that person to death. So, you know, the heart requires electrons or electricity to pump blood into our blood vessels. So that's why we have the... Um, the the EMG or something like that too, because the heart requires electricity or electrons. So when they eat the heart alive, they kind of um, absorb the electrons of that person um, who, whose heart is eaten. So in that sense, they accumulate more power just by doing that. So this is how they do that in, in, in the um, secret societies. But they don't realize that uh, once they die, they have to go through a life reveal process. They are going to see how they did in their lifetime. They're going to feel and experience everything they did to everyone else. They're going to feel how the person that they tortured felt when they did the torture. Um, and they're going to be feeling very regretful and remorseful for all the things that they did in their lifetime. So they're going to probably um seek for another lifetime of punishment um so this is uh, what they're going to encounter after they die um a lot of people don't know about this but um, um if uh, people are really curious about the secret societies they should read two books one is theoba prophecy the other is uh, 334 lies so how do the good masters gain more power without killing and torturing somebody is there just by connecting to their higher self or to god that kind of thing like a genuine connection meditation and concentration yeah. they have to meditate which is to let go of everything to quiet their mind down and then they have to concentrate using their subconscious mind so uh, i think uh, greg brandon wrote a book telling people how certain people could make rings happen just by thinking or feeling or immersing itself into how a rain would feel like. 
and they would also be thankful of everything that nature does for them. And and I think uh, the key is to really quiet the mind down by meditation and then by concentration using their subconscious mind. That's what I thought. Darren, you got any questions? What about other things, hearts? Does it have to still be alive? How does it, like, because, uh, you know, a lot of... Like indigenous cultures would have, you know, these hearts, whether it was the Aztecs eating the hearts or other indigenous cultures maybe eating the hearts of the animals they kill. I, to this day, will still, you know, eat a lot of the hearts of the animals that I harvest. So is this something that just got out of control and, you know, got to humans and kids and all that? Or is it more like the alien, is this like an alien influence type thing that's like hijacked this and this is what the indigenous people is more of a remnant of them doing that in the past. You know, a lot of uh, secret societies, they're misled by ancient uh, anecdotes. Uh, they believe that eating the hearts or sacrificing um, certain people could achieve certain super psychic powers. Um, they don't realize that everyone is created equal. Every man is created equal, and we all have individual free will and liberties. We are to respect each other. They don't realize this. Um, there are differences between human beings and animals, too, because even though animals, they have electrons, they don't have the, uh, the, consciousness. the astral body yeah, of human beings. Because, because uh, when God created everything, um, it inserted it a little tiny portion of itself only into human beings, not into animals. Um, we have nine different bodies. We have our physical body, we have our fluid body, we have our astral body, psychotypical body, and a, a total of nine different bodies. Uh, animal only has about three bodies. So we are different from animals, but that's not to say that we should uh, sacrifice animals uh, for our own benefit. We should respect nature. We should respect animals. Um, the ancient uh, Native Americans have a practice which I really, really like and respect is that they only eat animals when they have to, um, when their own life is at danger. Um, and before they do that, they ask for permission from the animals to be eaten. Um, I think this has been talked by uh, conversations with God, by Neil, um, yeah. And I think that's a very good practice. I'm a, I'm a vegetarian myself to the best that I can, but if I'm in life danger, if I have to eat meat, then there's no doubt I would do so. But I would do that only when it's absolutely necessary to survive. So, Darren, do you have anything to add to that or to talk about in that regard? Or? <clears throat> no, I don't think so. <laughs> this It's fascinating. So, so this book, I mean, it also gets into stuff that seems to me to match. Like, that's why I wondered when he wrote it. I, I didn't realize it was like, what, 30? I mean, in 87, he was abducted in the early 90s, so 30 years ago. Because it really seems to match... Um, how long humanity has been around almost from a scientific standpoint, but only recently they're admitting that it's been a few hundred thousand years. 
Um, so that seemed to correlate the cataclysm of the younger Dryas and the great flood seem they seem to discuss that from a, from an asteroid impact as well. And um, the hydrogen, like they talked about hydrogen powered vehicles, I guess is a regular sort of means of um, free energy that are used all over the place. They suggest uh, or they encourage us to commercialize hydrogen engines. I know a few decades ago, Stanley Meyer invented a car yeah, yeah. that ran on water. Yeah. What he did, I can just tell you how he did it. He used a specific uh, vibrational frequency to break the covalent bond between oxygen and hydrogen atoms so that uh, they can actually extract the hydrogen in a very energy efficient manner and use the energy as a source of fuel. Um, we just need to find the right frequency and to split the water molecules. It's really easy to do, but the technology is suppressed by the oil companies and the special interest groups. In fact, a Brazilian inventor invented a water-run motorcycle. Uh, inventors from Greece, from Iran, and also from Japan did the same thing. But what uh, happened was that they tried to patent their technology. Once they try to do that, they're going to be discovered. And the technology involves uh, national, so-called national security. So um, it's kind of hard to commercialize if they really want to benefit on their own. So people have to think more altruistically and to really disclose what they discovered or invented immediately to the mass. Uh, so that the, this kind of technology can be mass produced by by different countries immediately, so that it's impossible to be suppressed. So, have you? I don't know if you've heard about what's going on latest. We we've kind of been involved. We've had this guy named Randall Carlson come on the show. Um, he's been highlighting the technology from a fellow named Malcolm Bendall, who got his ideas from Sanskrit texts and the Vajra. Mm-hmm. from from the vedas i believe and and it's all based on sacred dimensions and they they basically don't separate water the same way as stanley meyer did they they create a mini thunderstorm and it creates a plasmoid which then gets harnessed and then it collapses back into water so it's super interesting and it's supposed to be able to run c- cars on it and everything and it's just coming out recently and he's he went through the patent process, but also released all his documents online uh, as well for people. So he's kind of tried to do both, get it out to everybody, like um, to the masses and also get patents. And I think the Indian government is now getting involved in Mazda, the, the corporation, some some other uh, interests, like high high up interests. So I don't know, maybe do you have any thoughts of whether it, that might fly now if it's done right uh, as things have changed in the world so much in the last 10 years? If I were the shareholders or the CEO of uh, a major oil company, I would try my best to suppress that technology using different means. I wouldn't want to make that happen if I were the executives or shareholders of the oil companies. So I would say that they really need to be careful and to find other means to spread the knowledge and the technologies um, so that uh, they they cannot be suppressed. There's another technology, zero-point energy. Um, I don't know if you know a guy called uh, Tom Bearden. 
yeah. uh, Colonel. Yeah, I, I think uh, he has he is very credible, and I think that's a, another possibility. So, what about the rest of the technologies that uh, Foster Gamble talked about in his Thrive too? Did you watch that? Um, I did. Um, I actually met him. Yeah, I think uh, he is doing great. It's important to disclose all the uh, advanced technologies. Um, my only suggestion is that uh, we just need to do more to wake people up. Um, people who are credible as him um, are believed by people like me and you, but there are still a lot of people who don't believe him, and and that we just need to find ways to to really make uh, make things happen. And I'm doing everything possible that I can to make it happen. Well, the the Illuminati is doing a good job as well at overstepping overstepping their bounds and 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 waking people up too. I mean. They seem to be doing it on purpose. So, I mean, <clears throat> you know, people are waking up right now from different for different reasons. That's what that's what I'm thinking now is that they're just they're just pushing the limits. They're I can lying, tell you a lying. secret. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The Illuminati has to be broken down from within, and they're they're afraid of the power of the people. It's written by by the chair of the Illuminati. He says that. Uh, they're afraid of uh, the collective consciousness consciousness of the people. Right. No matter how strong their psychic powers are or is, I mean, they cannot really resist the collective consciousness of the people. Uh, so we have to act together. We have to wake more people up so that we can form this kind of uh, collective action or concerted action and we have to cause like an inertia through nonviolent resistance and to really, really um, make our government, our politicians to cave in to our demands. Yeah, I like that. That's good. I, I we, we say that quite a bit here is there's this, there's a spiritual wild card. Our consciousness as humanity is this wild card that I don't think they can control. <clears throat> exactly. And we determine the path of the future. Yeah. Yeah, that's good to keep that in mind. It's hard sometimes because you just think, oh, my God, nothing I can do will help. But um, <clears throat> I did want to mention, I did want to ask you a little bit about um, speaking of nonviolent and stuff. They they do talk about they show him some examples when he's supposedly abducted and they're teaching him all these things and their ways, the ways, because um, I guess he spent what, like a week or 10 days with them? Nine days. Nine days. And there was a part where. Um, they were on a planet and this species was, was getting attacked by like almost like a giant, uh, a giant yes. insect or insects. something, yes. giant insects. And they just wipe these insects out. So, so they don't have any problem using violent and, and violence when it's, when it's supposedly, you know, the right thing to do. Like, I guess they were saving these people that were being attacked by these insects, but, but it makes me think about all the misinformation and disinformation here. Like what if they, what if they were provoked by, what if they were provoking the insects? Like they know the full story, obviously, right. They're able to discern this truth, but like, how do we, how do we discern the truth? You know, from half the wars that are started are based on false flags. And I mean, you know, like it seems like using violence, even if you're an advanced 
species like this would would carry some risk if you get it wrong, right? Like, what? How do they know the full story? We have to use our common sense. We know that whenever a nuclear holocaust occurred, there will be remnant、um, radiation, radioactivities,、um, and there will be mutations of different animals or people. And it's very logical in my mind, and it's common sense that、uh, uh, insects、uh, would be mutated and and they would、uh, have different、uh, deformations. Some of them would grow very large and become. Oh right,、um, these were mutant insects, right? Yes. And people remember, people are created by God. Human beings are created by God, and we are special. We are we are different from animals,、um, in a sense that we are part. We all have the. Sparkles of the vine, but the animals don't. I mean, we have direct connections to God, the source, but the animals only have、uh, like certain bodies that、uh, maintain their kind of、uh, livelihood. I see what you're saying. That that makes sense. And then and there is humans like us. I, I mean, would they be considered humans? But all over all these other planets, right? They're very similar. Yeah, there are other ETs on different planets, and they're all human beings, and they have different levels. They live on different levels or categories of planets.、Um, one thing that's not written in the book is that、uh, the grays that people normally talk about, they also come from a category one planet. They're actually a dying race because they've been losing their immune system. They、uh, implanted the、uh, devices onto us just to observe how we respond to the same situation. Because we have、uh, had the same problem since、uh, 1948, but the Theobans say that there's absolutely no harm、um, caused by the implants because they have been monitoring the activities of the grays just to ensure that we are safe. And also, the Hebrews, <clears throat> the Jewish people, originally came from Category Three planet. Huh. So the the grays, the、uh, so did the. They're androgyne, aren't they? Or they're they're、uh, hermaphrodites. This race? hermaphrodites. Did did this? Is this the inevitable evolution of humans? Do they end up in that? Is this? Are they like just advanced in time as well? And this is where they end up, or is there? Is there a? Is there another path where you know you continue as two race, two two sexes, you know, forming families and all that kind of stuff, like? Um, the book doesn't really say explicitly、uh, when in which、uh, category that human beings become hermaphrodites, but certainly on higher category of planet,、um, in order to control birth and, and also to eliminate the issues between males and females, they become hermaphrodites, and actually they can live forever. They can regenerate their bodies, their organs, their tissues. So they look forever young. They're always in their thirties, even though they live thousands of years already.、Um, so this is just a once you're in a paradise, you become like a hermaphrodite. You don't have to worry about、uh, having sex. Huh. Interesting. So I wonder if we if we if we don't have to go that route. It does seem like they've just taken control over their of their births and their and their. Their civilization, like I just wonder if that's an inevitable technocratic solution in a way, you know. Well, in the sense that they can control, they can really determine when to have a child or whether to have a child or not.、Um, they're not controlling the birth of others. They're controlling how,、uh, like, 
or when and how many babies to be born on their own um, because they live forever and, and they don't want to overpopulate their planet. Um, so that's why they determine when to have a child. Okay. What about what about like our past, like Atlantis, Lemuria, uh, 300,000 years ago, um, the pyramids, the cataclysms, how are they involved in all that stuff? Well, um, yeah, I would strongly suggest people to read the book. Otherwise, I would uh, have to talk about uh, another hour and a half and to speak about the other 10% uh, of the book. <laughs> well, so we all come from different planets. The yellow people, the black people originally came from a planet called uh, Bagratini about 1.35 million years ago. The Caucasian people came later. And they landed on the continent of um, Atlantis. And then later on, there was another group of people that came from. Wait, the where was the continent of Atlantis? It's between North America and Europe. It was in the like middle of the halfway, Atlantic. Yeah, like middle halfway. of the Atlantic. Yeah, halfway. There was another continent called Lemuria that's in the uh, Pacific Ocean. Um, and part of the continent. Uh, is uh, what's now today's uh, Easter Island, uh, where you see the statues of Moa. Um, and actually, the book explains uh, where the statues, uh, or how the statues came about. Um, it's a very interesting history, because uh, there were ancient civilizations in which people had advanced technologies to build the statues on, on the Easter Island, and also to build the Great Pyramid of Egypt using uh, anti-gravitational technologies and supersonic vibrational systems to cut the huge stones in a very precise manner. Um, so, so this is how things turned out. Uh, but then 14,500 years ago, when the continent of Lemuria sunk into the ocean, um, the technologies were lost because they didn't really pass on to other people. They kept it to their own secret. Uh, so this matches the timeline of the younger Dryas, right? It matches the timeline of the of Randall Carlson and Graham Hancock's theories about the flood when it happened, right, in North America and elsewhere, around, yeah, been, right around that time, right? Yes, exactly. I've been trying to get uh, Randall Carlson and uh, Graham Hancock to consider reading this book. It's pretty hard to reach them. <laughs> well, we might be able to help with that. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Mice. So, so what did they use? They use supersonic um, vibrational technology to cut the stones. I mean, do you can you describe that a little bit more? Like, and also how they smooth? Did they use that to like how they used to smooth out the stones too? Like they would cut them out in rough and then put them in place and then smooth them out later. Like, so was it a was it a natural sort of a natural technology? It's a natural technology using a specific uh, ultrasonic uh, vibration. So they carved the huge stones using this, which is really energy efficient. Because even Nikola Tesla said, uh, if you really want to know the secrets of the universe, think about the energy, frequency, and vibrations. So this is how the ancient civilizations took advantage of uh, the vibrations to to really cut the huge stones uh, into a specific shape 
And then they neutralize the gravity using um, a different kind of vibration so that they can move the big stones uh, just uh, like uh, um, the, uh, <laughs> lost the word, huge stones in a very smooth manner, just like the maglev uh, of China, just just uh, move it very smoothly, horizontally, and without the, just like a Willis uh, moving moving things around. Um, so I think it's doable, and I believe that the uh, the military has the technology already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you, do you know how they created this sonic sonic uh, vibration? Is there any um, hint to, to that? Like actually, how it was created through, you know, their own vocals, or I can reveal what happened um, before the Chinese Communist Party took over Tibet. The British uh, explorers went to Tibet and saw that the Tibetan monks using a musical instrument, like a horn, to make a specific uh, frequency of sound so that the uh, heavy stones were lifted up into the middle of the air. So the Tibetans were using a musical instrument to make that happen. Um, I don't know how the uh, Lemurians did it. Almost like they were about that thing at Coral Castle. Yeah. Remember there's that metal thing up in the corner of the Coral Castle? Yes. And they snuck it out of there. Yes. And that dude was like making those, moving those big heavy coral castle things around. Yeah, same technology. Yes. Have you been to same. Coral Castle? No, I haven't. <laughs> Me either. One day we'll do. If we do a trip there, we'll we'll let you know, and you can come with us and visit it. Thank you. So same as like the walls of Jericho, right? With the horns. I mean, maybe that's where that comes from. Yeah. And I think it's pretty easy to do once we find the right uh, frequency. Uh, yeah. Frequency, yeah. Yeah. So, Darren, do you have any questions at all? Or so, what planet is our our planet? Where are what category are we? We're a one, right? Yeah, we're a one. Yes. I think I I think I prefer it that way, <laughs> so that I don't have to like share my because th- if we go to a two, then I now I have to share my thoughts with other people. With that. <laughs> With at least one other person, would that be like um, just your wife, or is it randomized? You share the womb, and then when you get into threes and fours and fives, like if we were an eight, how would you figure out who's connected? Then is it random? I mean, sometimes we feel we have soulmates. I think the soulmates are probably our like uh, the people who share the same uh, higher self as we do. Um, But we don't know who they are because each one of us experienced a different life or different or have a different experience to to learn different lessons. So I think what struck me the most actually uh, in this book is is that uh, we don't need to envy the super wealthy or the super rich because they have uh, more challenging lessons to learn. They have more temptations to really um, keep uh, themselves straight. Uh, imagine Bill Gates uh, or people who are born wealthy. They are probably more into drugs or more the um, other things that may damage their spiritual development. Um, so I think uh, their lives not to be, are not to be envied or, or jealous. And I think uh, each one of us uh, have, has a 
unique lesson to learn. And we have to take a full advantage of what life presents us so that we can accumulate knowledge and lessons in order to purify our spiritual um, path. I want to ask you about, about that cataclysm again, uh, 14,500 years ago. You said there's a, there's a note in here about uh, um, cometary impact. Does it say where that was to cause the Great Flood? Or, or maybe that wasn't the same as the 14,500? Right. Um, about the, the, the asteroid uh, hit the Earth about a million years ago or so. Oh, okay. Um, That's not it, the 14,000? Yeah, it split into three uh, different uh, parts. One portion landed in what's now the Red Sea. The other portion landed in what's now the East Timor area. And the smaller portion landed uh, in the uh, Galapagos, Galapagos Islands. Um, and what happened 14,500 years ago was the, um, was the earthquake that caused uh, the entire continent of Lemuria that sunk into the Pacific Ocean. That's what happened. And soon after the Atlantis, uh, the continent of Atlantis also sank into the ocean. So that's what happened. And that was just an earthquake? Was, was that caused by impact as well, according to this prophecy? That's caused by the earthquake. Because, you know, in the Pacific Ocean, there were a lot of uh, gastrous uh, belts. I learned the geology, and, and I learned that uh, there is scientific evidence about the gastrous belts in the uh, Pacific Ocean. And that's actually the reason that caused the earthquake and the sunken of the continent. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. That's uh, so, more corroborating evidence for yeah. Atlantis. For Atlantis, yeah. <laughs> so what, um, is this going to come out on audio at all, this book, do you know? Yes, they're under review by uh, Audible or ACX. Oh, good, good. Yes. Good, excellent. Yeah, probably in about two weeks or so. Maybe. Okay, when when that comes out, let me know, and I'll we'll we'll put it. We'll I'll put it. You know, we'll push it. We'll put it. Uh, Great. It's I'll, easy. I'll it's sure. easier for it's it's definitely sort of easier right now for people to listen to books. You know. Yeah, yeah. I'll make sure to let you know. It's actually read by a British person. Oh yeah, that's good. <laughs> Sounds really smart. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>, sophisticated. <laughs> <laughs> So is there anything else that we should discuss um, before we let you go? Is there anything that we missed? Any big parts that we missed? I really like uh, to uh, receive uh, more help from people like you to spread the words out because we are really living in a very critical moment of time. Remember, Enoch was taken away by God. The Jehovah's and the Michel de Marquet believed that he was taken by the same group of ETs, the Theobans. A few decades later, Noah was told to build an ark, and he was the great-grandson of Enoch. Michel de Marquet similarly was instructed to write a book. You can imagine what's going to happen a few decades later. So this is why I'm taking a lot of my time to really dedicate myself to spread the, the information and knowledge. And I think uh, we are really, really at a very important uh, cross path. Or, and I think uh, the more people who can wake up, the more we can really go on the right path, not the path of destruction. 
And I really want um, help from all of you. Yeah. Okay. Well, we can connect you with some more podcasters too. And I mean, I, I just do think that, I mean, it seems like a common sense book. Like it's not filled with sort of like these narratives that kind of make you cringe because, you know, you're not really believing them anyways in our reality, you know? So I, I, it did feel, it felt genuine in that way to me. And I mean, I guess he wasn't believed when he came back and he tried to explain this to his family and his friends. And he's like, look, I'm supposed to write a book about it. And, and then I guess he pushed through writing a book, right? Yeah, yeah. His wife still to this day uh, doesn't believe him. She, <laughs> she thinks he was having a affair with another woman. He just said it's an it's a, a hermaphrodite alien deer. Don't worry <laughs> about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right he on, away, yeah. Oh, he did, away, when was that? He passed away four years ago, and and uh, and I, yeah, I'm I'm probably the only person who learned about the, the information he didn't put in the book. Really? Wow. So are you, did, are you able to do, do any, like an addition to the book or anything like that? Or are you, you just yes, spreading I'll, the word by talking about it? Yes. I'll do that when, when I feel that uh, we are more ready about it. Actually, right, when okay. we're ready about it, I'll write another book. Oh, really? Hey, wow. Yeah. Okay. That'll be interesting. Yeah. You definitely got to talk about that one you know let us know and you can come on because this book's doing quite well in taiwan and uh where else did you say it was taiwan and china, china? Yeah. yeah it's pretty popular people are it's pretty popular and a lot of people are waking up yeah and i think uh, great changes are coming to china but there has to be some kind of uh collective efforts by by all the people people in china and people outside of china as well to uh really make the government uh, is it is it harder to wake people up over there my friend has um his his wife is um korean and he says that they're in they're in a competitive um compliance they're like competitive compliance with governments right like their 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 culture is really like they do what the government says and they compete to do it better than any other people like which is so, somewhat different from the West where we're sort of like, you know, we think more of as freedom and freedom to, you know, of speech to. and yeah, we used to. Yeah. I mean, there are different uh, obstacles or challenges to wake people up uh, for China is the ignorance of the people because the media is controlled by the government. Um, in South Korea, for example, is the religion because a lot of South Koreans are Christians. Um, they, do not distinguish the differences between spirituality and, and religion. Um, and in the U.S. is another challenge, is the misinformation and disinformation. Um, and I think <laughs> we have to tackle each challenge differently. <laughs> right, right. So is China doing okay right now, though? Or are they? Where do you live in China? No, I'm in Los Angeles. I have oh, in Los Angeles. In oh, okay, okay. Yes. Do, are, is China doing okay right now? I keep hearing different stories, and you know. I never know what to believe because there's, uh, you know, people try to predict the collapse of China and it's never, it never seems to happen. The government, the Chinese government says they're doing great, wonderful, but uh, always think the opposite when the Chinese government says that. I will say within two years or so, they're going to collapse. Wow, really? Yeah. Oof. Um, yeah. Well, just it, like it, the whole country or just the government? Uh, the government. 
Do you think that'll cause the country to call into, fall into collapse, or do you think they'll be able to pull it up? I think there are definitely going to be social instabilities once that happens. That's going to affect the Western countries and also other parts of the world. I just hope that it's going to be as um, as the the damage is going to be as minimal as possible. Um, but that's definitely going to happen. And and I know there's a group of uh, people overseas. Um, they're called the New Federation of China or something like that. And I think they're trying to take down the um, the CCP. Does the does the collapse have to happen? You think for us to to move forward? I think for China, for the Chinese people, yes. For people in the U.S. and Canada, I think uh, more is needed because the media is actually controlled by five or six families. And people need to realize that they need to follow their own intuition. They have to have more independent thinking when it comes to news and media. Um, they need to follow their own heart and not the uh, doctrines or narratives of the government or or others. Yeah, well said. Right Thanks on. for coming on the show, Samuel. Where can our listeners track you down? Do you have social media or websites or anything like that? Yeah, people can find me on Facebook or search on Google and type in my name, Samuel Chong, and the name of the book, Theobar Prophecy, and they can find the book on Amazon. Right on. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, I'll, I'll connect you with some other podcasters and you can make the rounds. And uh, yeah, I recommend people check it out for sure. It's interesting. And and thanks for putting your heart and soul into this. Thank you so much. Yeah, and we'll link to all that stuff in the show notes. Thank you, Sam. We'll have a wonderful night. Thank you. Thank you. See ya. See you. And that was a chat with Samuel Chong. What'd you think, buddy? Wow. Yeah, I liked it, buddy. It was good. Yeah, it, it was, was really good. interesting. Yeah. yeah, it started out like a sci-fi novel, and I was thinking, man, this is interesting from just like a sort of like, you know, it starts, jumps right into the story about him being abducted with these, and it just sounded, it sounded real for some reason to me. So it wasn't kind of crazy. And then, it, and then they got into all the sort of predictions about what's going on in Earth and the history, and yeah, it was pretty fascinating. Fascinating chat with a fascinating cat. If you guys enjoyed it, of course, buy his book, do all that wonderful stuff. And if you did get some value from a little podcast here, head over to grandamerica.ca slash support today. Sign up for one time, sign up for monthly or make a one-time donation, either of which would be, we'd be forever grateful for. While you're over there, head over to grandamericaoutlaw.ca. Check out our other podcast over there. It's a little more controversial than this one. And you can head over to our events, contact at thecabin.com. All of our audiobooks at adultbrain.ca. It's all fun and it's all good and it's all stuff for you to listen to. Other than that, we love you guys. Thanks for listening and we will see you next week. Somehow I built a rocket ship out of the stuff dreams are made and popsicle sticks. Look at my rocket ship schematics Tell me it can fly to the moon Tell me I'm not a lunatic I bet, I bet, I bet, I bet You think I'm a space cadet I bet, I bet
a space cadet No regret, I do not fret Cause I am a space cadet In my hands I have a gas can and matchsticks Yes, Earth is my home, but I need a vacation Sadness, the chaos and traumatics I'll let you do the countdown Three, two, one, no hesitation Thank you.